Hello, and welcome to another peaceful day at Camp ASMR. It has been a little cool, with a light, refreshing drizzle of rain. I highly recommend joining one of the guided meditation classes today. They have set up some large pop-up canopies on the beach. The sound of rain and the lapping of little waves on the sand make the experience of guided meditation something completely different. Please keep in mind that very few spots are left to sign up for medical ASMR and similar appointments, as those ASMRists prefer to have a little extra time to close up shop at the end of camp. The Craftmaster Pavilion will also be closing early to make sure they can get all of their materials put away properly. If you are hoping to catch one more presentation or attend one more class, make sure you check the schedule carefully so you don't miss your chance. As you all know, Dr. Andrew Michaels will be taking everyone who signed up out for remote camping further into the woods. They will all leave fully equipped with waterproof tents and blankets, prepared for any rainy weather they may encounter. I know there have been some concerns expressed regarding the safety of their remote camping experience, but please know that the security staff who will accompany them are well trained and prepared for pretty much anything. The remote camp area is well known to everyone who works here, as we have been using the same land for many years. Several staff members went out earlier to inspect the campsite and surrounding area, and they have given us the all clear. There have also been some comments about the fact that both our head chef and his assistant Marvin and Christopher will be going out to stay with the remote campers. Don't worry, we haven't been abandoned to scavenge for mushrooms and berries in the forest. Please don't scavenge for mushrooms and berries in the forest. Our pastry chef, Milo, who at this point should be well known to the entire camp, has been working with Marvin to prepare to run the kitchen for us in Marvin's absence. And as a way to participate in the joys of camping without the tent parts, we will be having tinfoil meals around the campfire tonight for dinner. And for anyone who grew up camping with family or with community groups, you will just have to take my word for it 
that we have been working on this long enough to have taken them to another level. You're not going to want to miss it. Please have patience with the announcements for just a few more minutes as we now have some information from Milo after which I will wish you a wonderful day. Hi everyone, it's Milo, your favorite budding pastry chef, recovering convict, and impertinent teenager. I'm just here to talk about a couple of things really quickly. As I'm sure you're already all aware, Dr. Michaels is leading a remote camping trip open to anyone who'd like to attend tonight here at the end of our time at Camp ASMR. Of course, the remote camping trip is not mandatory, although I'm sure it will be a great time. I will be staying back at the main camp, along with the receptionist and a couple of other staff members. If you'd like to stay, you're more than welcome. Obviously, the receptionist already gave you the rundown of the announcements, but she did ask me to come and talk to you all about a couple of things. Firstly, if you're anxious about going on the remote trip, but are also anxious about staying due to the recent Bigfoot sightings and the forthcoming lack of security presence at the main camp, don't worry. Like I said, I'm staying here, and I've been working on a solution. I've invented a machine that I'm calling the Incoming Bigfoot Signal, or IBS for short. What's that? Oh. The receptionist says I should call it something else, but she won't tell me why. Hmm. Um, okay. What about the Bigfoot Proximity Alert, or BPA for short? Anyway, it's not important. I would explain to you how it works but I'd hardly want to bore you with the technical details. The main thing is, I've devised a system for letting campers know when a Bigfoot is nearby. This is important because, if you remember my tips from last week, if you know that a Bigfoot is close to you, you should grab some nearby rocks and leave the area immediately. For your convenience, I have taken the liberty of placing small baskets full of rocks at central locations throughout the camp, next to most main doors, and around common meeting places. Feel free to grab these in event of a Bigfoot sighting. However, after speaking at length with some other staff members, we have decided that an alarm would probably cause more anxiety than it would solve. 
and we want to avoid an incident that would lead to all remaining campers experiencing bad vibes. As, in case of emergency, we will be evacuating the area containing the Bad Vibes timeout tent, and would therefore have no solution to our vibes. As such, I've decided that the alert sound will be a lovely piano rendition of The Minstrel Boy, which is an old Irish folk tune my sister used to play before... well, before. So, if you suddenly hear Irish piano music coming over the intercom, please gather the nearest handful of rock-like objects and calmly and peacefully evacuate the camp. We have designated a Bigfoot emergency zone near the parking lot, where remaining staff members will help campers to evacuate more thoroughly. Thank you for remaining relaxed throughout this ongoing cryptid event. On another note, as you may know, my fellow chefs, Marvin and Christopher, are joining the remote camping excursion, which leaves me alone in the camp kitchens. I have most of our food pre-prepared here, so there will be absolutely no stress. However, I imagine it might be a little lonely, since I'm used to being crowded up against two other strong personalities here. So, I'd like to issue an open invitation to anyone remaining in the camp to come join me in silence or in quiet conversation as I prepare our food for the day. I'd love to see you, and you can get a first-hand look into how a genius chef operates. Wait, is that bragging? I don't want to brag. Anyway, you can get a first-hand look into how I operate. I've been talking too long again. Thank you so much for listening. I hope anyone attending the remote camping excursion will have a fun, safe, and relaxing experience. And I hope the same for anyone remaining at the base camp. Whatever you choose, enjoy the rest of your stay here at Camp ASMR. My goodness, that is submarine we're having. It's a good thing we have a uh, strong tent to protect us against the elements. I'm sorry this isn't the way a lot of you were expecting it to go. Don't worry, the thunder's pretty far off. I think we're going to be alright. Come on in. Wrap yourselves up in the blankets. 
you'll stay warm that way. Once again, you have my sincerest apologies for the conditions, but I don't know, it's kind of cozy, isn't it? The rain is just torrential and the lightning is all around us. Wow, that one sounded like it was pretty close. Jeez, some really powerful lightning going on out there. Don't worry, we're all safe. Don't worry about trees falling on us either. I think we're in a relatively safe place. We've come up here often. And I have been here before in inclement weather. The lightning sounds like it's further and further away now. Maybe even the rain is lightening up a little bit. Remote camping like this reminds you of the creature comforts we all enjoy. <laughs> Indoor plumbing, yes, that's one. Running water, <laughs> that's another one. Hot showers, yes, yes. That uh, solar shower just doesn't cut it, does it? <laughs> yeah. Soap up. And then spin around and run out. <laughs> the food's good, though. Gosh. Marvin and Christopher have outdone themselves with the food, haven't they? Yeah. We should have bought... We, sh we should have. We should have brought... I know. Maybe next time we'll bring Milo along. But you never know. He's always popping up in the when you least expect it. He's like that. He's a good kid. He's tough. Yeah. I think it might be time to let some of you that are in the tent with me in on a secret. Milo uh, doesn't just work for me. He's And he's not a snitch, but he's keeping an eye on things for me. I've suspected things aren't the way they should be in this camp for quite a while, and he's been monitoring my employees for me. Well, that was close. Don't worry, we're all right. Wow. It's beautiful, isn't it? Lights up the sky. It's almost like daylight when those things go off. I know it's a lot of lightning, but you'd be surprised up here on these hills. Sometimes they come in like that, but it doesn't last. At least we're dry in here, even though it is kind of damp and cold. The air mattresses will keep you dry, You'll, but you might float away down the river. <laughs> Don't worry, we're high enough of an elevation that we won't get washed out where we're at. No, no, no. We're fine right here. It's a very safe area. We've been here before. Nice flat area. Mm-hmm. 
good, safe hill behind us. Not too many trees nearby. We'll be okay. I know, I... I heard that. I heard that some people didn't like my scary stories. Frightened them a little bit. Well, no scary stories tonight. Tonight? Hmm. What should I talk about? What would you like me to talk about? Something to help you sleep during thunder and lightning. Well, hopefully the thunder and lightning will ease up. Or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. (laughs) It does sound like it's getting further off. never know about Mother Nature, do you? Let me tell you a little story about somebody who came from a very strange beginning. And he learned right away that survival sometimes comes down to chance. That's right. Sometimes survival is just based on pure luck of a dice roll. The universe is a chaotic place, lightning crashing, lighting up the sky, turning nighttime into daytime. The universe is very chaotic. It is. It's not an orderly clockwork place like some of us have been led to believe. And there's a thin coating of atmosphere that protects us on this island earth. It's scary sometimes when you think about it. But it also makes you want to live life to the fullest. It makes you want to take a chance once in a while. At least I think so. And here at Camp ASMR, I think all of you are very brave. You took a chance. ASMR is still so new, even though it was just coined as a phrase, as a movement, back in 2012. That wasn't that many years ago. And our little camp has grown every year. More and more people partaking of our relaxation experience. You're very brave. I won't say it any other way. To be connected or associated with ASMR, it's a little frightening. I know it is. You don't want to get made fun of, picked on. I heard somebody say, ooh, don't wear those shirts into town. They're a bully magnet. (laughs) Well, 
somebody's going to bully you for going to ASMR camp. That's one more person we know we don't have to associate with, isn't it? Don't have to waste our time with them, right? That's right. They're not getting any cake with their dinner. Not for dessert. Nope. They get a block of coal or some, uh, what do they call it? Yeah. A shit sandwich for dinner. <laughs> yeah. We're just picking, just teasing. I always think that when somebody says something odd or weird to you about something you believe in or something you know is true and is important to you, it's a chance to teach. It's a chance to help someone, maybe understand something. Maybe nobody ever took the time to explain something to them and they just don't know the truth of the matter. And that's a chance for you to shine, maybe, and help them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Prejudice and racism shouldn't be met with silence and cancellation and shouting them down. You're better off if you try to teach someone why, ask them why that they did that. Try to educate them. Try to work with them. Try to get them to understand how silly it looks. How backwards it feels. And how ugly it can be. Sometimes you can actually reach out to somebody. And and I don't mean just making them feel guilty or bad about it. Try to get them to think about what they're doing. Try to turn negative moments in life into teachable moments. It is possible. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> I know I've been rebuffed, mocked, and shouted down many times. But it's never going to change unless we change. We have to change people one at a time and get them to understand that we're all the same and we're all on this ball spinning around trying to make the best of Probably a very tough situation. It's taken thousands of years for humanity to get to where it is right now. And it's only going to get harder. We're making things more difficult for ourselves than we need to. And I do agree with one thing I have seen lately. If we can send these rockets up into space for people to have a good freaking time, space tourism, then maybe it's about time we start looking at other things we can fix. Like world hunger and hunger right here in our own country I think it's time we started solving problems and working on problems with real true grit and stop playing the blame game the cancellation game the hate game because that's not working it hasn't worked in the past you know they punished central powers, mainly Germany after World War I. And you know what it led to? World War II. Punitive damages and punitive punishment didn't get the world very far. Just passing on that hatred from one generation to the next 
But after World War II, the United Nations, rebuilding Germany, rebuilding Japan, turning them into our allies, into our friends. Come on now. What do you think was the better choice, better avenue? When you see somebody saying something ugly and hateful and evil, they might tell you to go get stuffed. But try. Try to reach out to them. You never know. You might be the first person that ever tried to open up to them. To turn an ugly moment into a teachable moment. I'm not ready to give up on these things. And I know I have a silly <laughs> Mr. Rogers view of the world, but I'll tell you something. Mr. Rogers was one cool dude. And he didn't quit. He didn't give up either. And I'm not going to give up. And neither are you. We're going to work through this together. Right? Good. If you noticed as we've been talking, the lightning faded away. The rain is easing up. I think we're going to be all right. Let's all try and get some shut-eye. Oh, the story. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even tell you the story about the little kid. <laughs> I grew up learning the world was a dice roll. <laughs> I'm horrible, aren't I? Well, this must be one of those teachable moments where you're all teaching me to tell you the darn story. <laughs> Come on, Doc. When are you going to get to the story? You're doing all this waxing on with your morality and your kumbaya, good-natured, goodwill BS. Come on, where's the story? Where's the payoff? <laughs> I think it was fall, September, maybe October, 1978. This young boy I'm talking to is about 10 years old. And he was a Cub Scout. And he loved Cub Scouts. He loved going to scouting. Once a week, after school, instead of going on the bus home, he would run down with all these other really cool kids in his class. And the parents would pick us up in these uh, big, huge monstrosities of a car called station wagons. My goodness, you could fit 15 kids in a station wagon. And they did back then. I mean, they maybe only actually fit 9 to 12 people, or even ridiculously 12 people. But they would fit 15, 20 kids in these things and just jam them in there. And they had these things called suicide seats that actually faced backwards. 
So the kids were like right there waiting to get crushed by a car hitting them in the rear. Oh, station wagons were awesome. And we used to all pile in. And that's what you did. You piled in. And even though there was like 10 of us in the back of this um, station wagon, there was still room for another five kids probably. <laughs> it was really an adventure, you know. And the whole idea was we went to the then mother's house. And she had all these little quick adventures for us to do, like uh, crafts. And we would do like little things to earn, you know, our uh, badges to move up from, you know, being a, I don't know, I can't remember. I think it was a cub. And then you moved up to a wolf. And then you moved up to a bear, you know. And they, they had these little badges and you had to earn them. And I think it went a little bit by age and stuff and we would plan on like building floats for parades and uh, getting ready for summer camp at Camp Aquila. Camp Aquila was for the Cub Scouts and it was right next to Camp Stambaugh and Camp Aquila was literally like there was nothing there and Camp Stambaugh was actually the real camp where the real Boy Scouts went and Camp Stambaugh had the, the a big, huge in-ground pool. It had canoeing. And it was down this valley where there was all these uh, wonderful little trails to go running around and climbing and vines. I often talk about the monkey vines in Ohio, how we used to swing on them like a bunch of crazy kids and I'm surprised none of us ever got our necks broken on them. But we loved them. We loved the monkey vines. And we always had such a good time at camp. Well, this was a cold, kind of a damp, raining day, kind of like today in Ohio. And this young man was at Scouts, and they had done a little project. And the den mother kept asking him questions about his neighbors. And the little boy answered him, you know, who lived next door and different things. And... It was odd because his father was late that day to get him. And everybody was weird with him. The adults were. And this little boy was quick at picking up on things. And his dead mother never asked him if he lived next door to somebody before. And it seemed kind of strange. And like I said, this boy was very quick. So he knew something was up. And... He also knew his parents didn't always get along with his neighbors. They they were kind of tough to get along with. And uh, it was mutual. I think they all could have tried a little harder. But all they did was just, you know, they didn't want their kids playing together. Which was okay. And uh, as the story goes on, you'll see why. Finally, the little boy's dad showed up for pick him up and uh, he talked to the den mother for a minute and then they left and he didn't say anything and I really fault this boy's father because he could have had a real heart to heart with the boy but instead he just acted like a what I would refer to as a hard ass and told the kid when we get home go in the house and uh, the boy thought he was in real trouble because his dad was kind of, you know, the old disciplinarian kind of dad that um, 
thought that spanking his kids was the answer to all of life's problems. So, your dad telling you when we get home, you go straight in the house. It was kind of terrifying back in 1978. So they pull into the drive. It was a short, short drive home. And this little boy gets out and his dad's fiddling and farting around with his license plate and his gas cap that was underneath. Back then, cars had the license plate in the back would actually fold down. And the uh, gas cap was underneath and his dad was back there just fooling and farting with it. And he says, what are you doing, Dad? Can I help you? And he goes, get in the house. Go get in the house. Go see your mother. And he thought, I'm really in for it now. I, just, you know, I tried to be nice and help my dad and he's not interested. So I must have done something really wrong. So the little boy went in the house and changed his uniform and sat and was watching TV and everything was quiet. His brothers were um, in their rooms. It was a little weird. And he started to suspect maybe somebody had died. Maybe a family member, or maybe grandma or somebody, or somebody passed away. It was a little kind of strange. And that was usually a sign, you know. So he nervously sat and waited until his mother decided to finally talk to him. Here comes that lightning again. Yeah, it's far off, don't worry. I think it'll pass even though the rain has picked up. He realized his mother was cooking dinner and setting it up and washing some dishes and she was crying. Now he knew something was really, really wrong. So he walked in and asked his mom why she was crying. And she said that the neighbor man was dead. Their neighbor had been shot to death. He was dead. The little boy had seen enough police dramas by the age of 10 to know that people just don't go around getting shot by accident out in the suburbs. He knew something terrible was wrong. He tried asking his mother what had happened and she just brushed him off and told him to get ready for dinner, help set the plates, and go get his brothers. They all sat there quietly and ate dinner. There was a real fear and a morbidity over the family. Nobody was asking questions and nobody was allowed to talk. I think the little boy's father handled it absolutely horribly. He was just making everybody tense and scared and frightened more so than if they just would have come out and talked about it. Six o'clock rolled around and everybody went to view the television. The young boy went into the living room to watch TV with his family. The father sitting down, working the remote, turning the volume up way too loud. 
top of the news there was a murder and a kidnapping. And they gave the address and the house. And it was right next door to this little boy. The story went on that the man who lived there was a father of two. He was shot several times by a handgun. And then his wife was dragged out of the house barefoot. And his own car was stolen. And then abandoned close to a truck stop. My next-door neighbor had been murdered. That's right. The little boy was me. And I found out from the news that my neighbor had been shot in the middle of the night while we all slept. Not one of us, none of us in the neighborhood heard a sound, even though others claimed afterwards they did. The scary part of the story is, the person who performed the murder was a known serial killer. He rode a bicycle down the street and just happened to stop at my neighbor's house and knock on their door. He wanted a car. He wanted some way of getting up to the truck stops so that he could commandeer or get out of town in a waiting semi. He just happened to stop at my neighbor's. Even at 10 years old, I thought about that incessantly. On the bus the next day, kids were asking me questions. My teacher asked me questions. <laughs> there was no system of support. Nobody checking on our well-being or anything like that. Just a lot of questions. And there were a lot. The wife had been kidnapped. And sadly, she was never, ever found. The man who did it was eventually caught. And he's spending time in jail in Florida. He had killed many couples in Ohio, in northeastern Pennsylvania. And he was serving a life sentence. And he's still alive as far as I know as of 2021. I always was leveled by that experience. I, I learned at a very young age, life is short. Life is precarious. You know, there's always a kid who dies at school you know, from a drowning or car accident. There's always a relative that dies when you're a kid. You know, we lost an uncle. Our neighbors died. You know, these things happen to everyone. But to find out at a young age that this world is really 
not a safe place. And on top of that, to learn that it could have been us. He rode that bike up, knocked on the door, probably forced his way in. They were watching TV. He had a handgun. How he he used the wife as a shield or what happened, we don't know. But he unloaded the gun on the husband and then left with the wife and his car. They know she was barefoot because there was footprints in the mud leading from where he abandoned the car close to the truck stop where he disappeared into the gravel and blacktop and the darkness of the night. That could have been our house, but it wasn't. There's no fate to that. I wasn't not killed. So I could come to you later and tell you these stories. I wasn't chosen for a higher purpose by not being chosen and not being killed. I would have lived through it. He only killed the husband and kidnapped the wife. The children, miraculously or unbelievably, slept through the violence. The only thing I can assume is they thought it was a TV show because the TV was still on in the morning and very loud. We probably would have lived through it too. But I think what would life have been like if he had stopped at my house? Where would we have ended up? My mom trying to raise four boys by herself back in that time would have been very ugly. And I thank the heavens that we didn't have to go through that. But at the same time, I feel horrible for the family that did. They were ripped apart forever. The whole point of the story is not to frighten you. But to get you to think. About how. Precious life is. Well, that's close. some close ones. And to make the most out of your life every single day because we don't know what's around the corner. Rain's starting to let up a little bit. Wow. It's almost like somebody shut off a faucet. Storm must have passed. Anyway, let's all get some sleep. 
I'm tired too. Yeah, it's a cool story. But like I said, you never know what way life is going to turn, so make the best out of your life every chance you get. I'm sure it won't be raining in the morning. Good night. Ah, good morning. It's so good to see you. Yep, Marvin's got the coffee on. Mm-hmm. I know it smells good. Yeah, he says he's going to produce a full English today. Can you believe that? Marvin's going to try and pull off a full English out in the middle of these woods after a freaking thunderstorm all night. Be careful, it's kind of muddy and slippery out. Try to stay on the rocks. Yeah, the morning sun's already drying them off. Yeah. Need to borrow some TP? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've got some right here. Um, Yeah, we're going to do a quick roll call since I saw you. I'll count you. And we're going to make sure everybody else is here. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful night's sleep I had. A little stiff. I need a drink of water after all that. Mm. I feel better now. Gotta rehydrate after all that. It's a long night. So everybody's here except those partaking of the facilities in the woods. Okay, how many is that? Three? Okay. Alright, so let's what are we doing? We're missing someone. What do you mean we're missing someone? Well, we maybe we just miscounted. Well, wait till everybody comes back from the woods, okay? If everybody can wait till the rest, the others come back. There was three in the woods, right? And we, maybe we miscounted somebody. They slipped off. That's the thing about remote camping. We take roll several times during the day people can fall down heat exhaustion heat stroke slip and fall down the side of a hill get injured it's important to keep track of everybody your health and safety is our number one priority here okay everybody is there anybody else in the woods okay you two go out and check the woods but the three are back so let's okay you two leave the three are back Let's do another head count. Okay. One, two, three. Somebody still asleep? Okay, check all the tents. We're still short one. Hmm. They might be asleep. Maybe we didn't see them. We'll turn over every freaking tent till we find out. Come on. We're not amateurs here. Somebody's missing. What's what's the matter? Let me see. You're right. That tent does show signs that somebody... Oh my God, somebody cut the side of it wide open. No, that wasn't an animal that did that. That was a man. That was a sharp blade. 
probably a box cutter. The inside of the tent is soaked by how much water I see in there. And it must have been early on during the thunderstorm. And all the noise and cacophony of sound. Somebody made a move and kidnapped whoever was in that pup tent. Do you know who this that was? Really? Well, Nancy is a very pretty young lady. We are in deep trouble. I don't want her to turn into a victim of a crime. We've got to get to the bottom of this right away. Call in security. Start sweeping the area. Do we see anything? I know the rain probably washed away every single footprint. What? Bigfoot tracks? Where? Those are fresh. Those aren't from last night. You're right, they do come up to here and go right up that hill. Towards the river bend. Okay, let's split up into teams. Everybody take a rifle. One rifle per team. I want you to take the lower pass down around the bottom of the river bend. You take the higher part up around the cliff. If you see anything, do not fire a shot at anything. You could hurt Nancy. She could be scared and frightened in the woods, and you think it's something else. Okay, and we'll go directly following this trail that the Bigfoot has left. This is so odd. What is going on here? I know it's frightening for everyone, and I know you didn't sign up for this, but I need everybody to stay together in your assigned groups. We're all adults here, and we need to follow the rules. In an emergency situation, I'm in charge. I am Dr. Andrew Michaels, and I will help you. We're going to find Nancy, we're going to get her back, and we're going to bring her to safety. You have my word on that. Now let's get moving in a haste. We, we, we don't know how much time we have left before it's too late. I do believe she's alive, but for how long, I don't know. I just know that whoever took her couldn't have gotten far in this weather and rain. There are some cliffs that they could have hid under and maybe a couple of caves. Not really caves, but dugouts. Animal dugouts. Maybe they went up there for the night. So let's get there as quickly as we can. Everybody stay as close together as you can. Alright? Good. The tracks, they end right here. Do you see where they pick up? There they pick up. Oh my god. Look. Up on that hill there where the river bends there it is there's the Sasquatch it has a man in its grip I wonder if it's the people from the other team could they have reached this area before us what's he doing to him oh my god he's gonna throw him off the cliff into the river below he did it or she did it I don't know what is it what do you call a Bigfoot that's a woman? I don't know either. 
Oh my God, somebody go in there and pull him out. Pull him out of the river. My goodness, this is ridiculous. Is he all right? Christopher? What in the hell was Christopher doing up here? Oh, so you knew she was missing, so you went out on a one-man campaign to rescue her? Are you trying to get a reward? Christopher, you have to be smarter than that. Your ankle bracelet's all soaking wet now. Your clothes are a mess. You're covered in mud. Well, look, I'm not... No, I'm not making any excuses with law enforcement over your bracelet. That's coming out of your wages. I'm not paying for it. That's fine. Show us where this... Who? The Sasquatch has Nancy? Where? Up there? There's two of them? A mother and a son. Oh my god. I wonder if she's trying to get Nancy to mate her son, but that cut back there was made by a razor knife or a very sharp blade. Bigfoots aren't known to use tools. Quickly, let's get up there and find out what's going on. Now listen, John, you have the shotgun. Under no circumstances are you to fire. When we come up upon the Bigfoot, it's going to know we're here. They can hear us coming a mile away. Why it's hanging around, why it's even getting involved in this, is anybody's guess. I only believe Christopher to a point. I think there it is. Do not shoot. No, Christopher, we're not shooting that Sasquatch. No. Look, if Nancy's still alive, we'll sort it out. But killing that animal is not going to help the matter. It's not making any kind of moves towards us. It's actually giving us the signal to stay away. It's probably trying to protect its young. What has gotten into you, Christopher? Jonathan, don't let him take that gun. No. Stop. Christopher, do not discharge that weapon. Stop him. Thank God he missed. Christopher, what is going on here? You almost shot Nancy. She stepped in front of the Sasquatch right before you were pushed aside. If Jonathan hadn't wrestled the gun back away from you, you might have killed Nancy. Or was that your intended target, Christopher? Keep him at gunpoint and secure his hands until we find out what's going on. Here comes Nancy now. What? Christopher kidnapped you in the middle of the night? You've got to be kidding me. He was going to assault you? Up on the hill? Christopher, you haven't learned anything, have you, from community service? I'm so ashamed of you. And what's with the Bigfoot? So you're saying the Bigfoot communicated to you that Christopher has been stalking you this whole time. Is that true, Christopher? 
He's denying it. What else can we do? I don't know whether to believe him or not. Watch out, everybody. Stand back. The Bigfoot's approaching. It's a female? Okay. Let's let her speak. Oh, my God. She's not trying to communicate at all. The Sasquatch picked up Christopher by the ankles, shook him upside down. Out of his pockets had fallen a knife. Bingo. And a camera. Okay, let's look at this camera. What kind of images are on there? You know anything about this knife, Christopher? How about this camera? You should have hid the evidence, Christopher. But I guess that wasn't in your game plan, was it? You thought you were going to get away with this in the middle of the night. But that storm pinned you down on the top of the hill. That lightning was so fierce. You had to wait till morning, didn't you? And the Bigfoot was able to track you down and stop you from assaulting Nancy. <laughs> I guess we owe you, Sasquatch. Thank you. Because of you, Nancy's been saved. Do you have anything to say for yourself, Christopher? Anything at all? These pictures completely put you in every place. You were at the cabin. You were the peeping Tom the whole time. The Bigfoot chased you away several times. You were up there taking pictures of the girls at the swim party. Wow, those are some nice... Yeah, they, they're very... You're very pretty, Nancy. Yes. I do... You do have a nice swimsuit. Yeah. Regardless of... Christopher... You were up there. That's why the Sasquatch threw the rock at you at the swimming hole. And you were the peeping Tom. And you were stalking Nancy. That's why the Bigfoot came in close to camp. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Yeah, Dr. Andrew Michaels. You got me. You got me. I confess. I couldn't help myself. She was beautiful. And I wanted her all to myself. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling Sasquatch. After taking Christopher's confession and unmasking him as the villain, we started heading back towards camp. Just as we all turned, the female Sasquatch and Nancy grabbed me by the arm and led me to the top of the hill. Nancy told me the Sasquatch had something that she came to tell me. I went up, and we were joined by the Sasquatch's juvenile male child. Nancy told me, This is the child you delivered in British Columbia. 
I figured it out from the map that the Sasquatch drew in the dirt. Look, it's like a cave drawing, but it clearly shows the coast of Washington and British Columbia and the island where you delivered that Sasquatch child. I was amazed when I found out what happened. I couldn't believe it. This was the child I delivered all those years ago. Fully grown. Was she showing me him? For, I don't know, to celebrate the fact that I helped deliver that child? That he was healthy? That he got this far? No, Nancy told me. She has a piece of paper for you. Look. The little juvenile Sasquatch. When I say little, he was six foot six compared to his mother's eight foot height. He handed over a scroll, a small wooden scroll to his mother, and she handed it to me. I opened it and immediately knew who it was from and what was going to happen next. The words were simple, the message direct, and I had a problem on my hands. All the notes said was, Denman Island needs you. And I knew I was going to be hopping a plane from Ohio to British Columbia this evening. Hell or high water. Thank you for joining me this month for the Camp ASMR series. Our adventure continues next week. What is going on at Denman Island in British Columbia? We will find out together next week. Camp ASMR is not quite over. As you can see, the adventure is always continuing on the Tiara de Huelo podcast. Stay tuned for more. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehoyo at gmail.com. 
on behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.